Omar Sadiq is the co-founder of Trainio, a company that creates opportunities for salespeople that come from underprivileged backgrounds and gets them jobs in the technology sector. Omar did well in high school. He was that kid that did well without studying much. Everyone thought he would go to a top school with his grades. He did go to university for a year, but he didn't go to a top school. Life happened to him. He only went to university to get some money. He maxed out the amount of loans he could take. At one point, he even had a door-to-door sales job when he was 17 years old. He made good money doing that. So, when he dropped out of university, he decided that he would start a new career in sales. He went through ups and downs. He had a time where he barely had enough to eat. He eventually got really good at it. He had several good jobs in recruiting and he used that experience to start Trainio. Listen to follow Omar's journey. Visit nodegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today I have Omar Sadiq. Can you give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, so pronounce my name perfectly, which is good. Most people pronounce it. I mean, I have to. We're the same, you know, same region. So we sort of, I have to. I can't get it wrong. Everybody did it wrong, no, but yeah, I am one of the co-founders of a company called Trainio. You had Sunil on before. So Trainio as a, as a business, what we do, we get people from underprivileged backgrounds, predominantly folks from the UK at the moment who come to the US pretty soon, but at the moment in the UK, get people underprivileged backgrounds. We train them to become entry-level sales professionals in the tech space and place them within tech companies and help them basically get on the ladder where otherwise they're the kind of people that basically get rejected by society. So that's kind of what we're doing in a nutshell. That's amazing. You know, I also had on Evan Patterson. Ev- yes, Evan Evan works quite closely with us. Evan's a great guy, man. He's working all close to really help build our brand as well. He's, he's pretty cool, man. Well, when, did you, when did you have him on? Uh, he, he was like the last, I recorded with him last week. So he'll be around the same time release as you guys. So that's awesome. I was oh, like, uh, cause I saw he mentioned like advisor. I was like, Whoa, that's your connected. He's like, yeah, I know Sunil and Omar. So I was like, look, I'm interviewing them. So small world. So, you know, it's funny. Someone else gave me an introduction to him. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Someone else mentioned that he doesn't have a degree. It's small world. I'm telling you, once you start networking, it's a small world. Whoa. whoa, whoa. So, oh my God. All these people that don't have degrees, might as well. I'm going to get some people on board as well, man. I know some people. Before we take it back, like, so what is your role? Like, there's a company role and what is your role? So my role, I'm the co-founder. So I'm mainly on kind of the operations side of things. But at the moment, because there's only two of us, both of us are pretty much doing everything. But I am more focused on kind of like fleshing out the candidate acquisition side of things and finance and operations. But at the moment, a lot of the bulk of what I'm trying to do is, is really fill out that candidate side of things. So go out, find the candidates, put them through interviews when they're on the program, make sure they're, they're up to scratch, whatever support they need as well. Because the the way that we interview and the things that we're looking for are totally different to the things that companies are looking for at the moment. So companies have inherent biases in the process. I face them, I know them. So I'm eradicating all of that and doing anything with kind of Christian support and bringing them through and make sure they're up to scratch and getting them onto the program as well. Wow, that's that's cool. So let's take it back. How was high school like for you? And what do you want to become in high school? So high school or secondary school, as, as we'd call it. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it pretty cool. I think growing up, look, we, everyone, we just want to be footballers, right? We play soccer, as you call it, every day. But high school, was, secondary school was pretty good. Academically, I was opposite to, to Sunil. I was, I was academically really good. Like, I was smart. Like, I, I was that kid that didn't need to study or listen, but I just get good grades. 
And I'd get good grades every parents' evening. I get shouted at because the teachers say he's not doing en- enough work. Like he could be doing this. And my parents used to come and I, I got all the brothers. I suppose get told off, but I was like, but I'm getting top grades. Like what does it matter? So that was kind of like, so I didn't have it difficult in school. It was pretty, pretty easy for me. I did pretty well at my GCSE, did pretty well at the A levels. But the reason about the practice of it is that I decided not to go to university was a lot of family things that kind of messed my head up right at that particular time. So everyone thought, you know, I was going to get top grades and go to one of the top universities in the country. That was like what was predicted for me. But there were certain things that happened maybe that fit my head and I ended up being the opposite to what family and teachers and everyone probably expected me to, to be at the time. What'd you end up doing right after school? So nothing, literally, I think I, um, I went to, I was full I went to university for a year. Like my dad was like, you're leaving my house. You have to go to university. Right. And I was like, so I went to university, but if I'm being honest, I went just to get, <laughs> just to get the money. Like we had loans and grants Yeah, and because you know, you're from a, a lower income background. I maxed out all the loans and the grants. I think I, I probably took about six or seven grand. I had, I was just chilling with the money, just going to the gym and maybe do something I should be doing, going out and, and spending my money. And like, yeah, that was pretty much what I was doing for a year. And then after a year, my dad was like, look, you're not doing it, are you? I was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not doing it. So then I kind of had to kind of get into the world of work. I was just chilling and I thought I just fell into sales because I think in between sixth form and university, for like six weeks, I did a door-to-door sales job. I was selling, what would you get? I was selling Sky TV, so you'd call it like cable, right? And I thought that was a dream. Like I was loving it. I was making good money. I was, I was knocking on doors, but I was, I was what, 16, 17. I was making like a thousand pound a month. I was like, I was like, this is a dream. I want to keep on doing, but I was like, no, <laughs> you're not doing that for a living. You go to university. So because I've, I'd been in sales before and I kind of enjoyed it when I, re- when I said I wasn't going to university, I think for me, I was like, I'm definitely going to go and find a sales role. So I went to the job center and I said to them, give me every single sales job you want for Cause I think for about six months, I lost all motivation. And then I got it back and I said, I'm, I'm going in sales. But I did an apprenticeship before that as well, where it was an insurance apprenticeship, but that's where one, you're receiving less money and you're meant to be studying like a vocational qualification. But like, it was, I, I was just putting numbers into a database and I, at one point they make me scrape chewing gum off the desk. And I was like, and my tutor was like, they're not maximum. I was like, I'm not, I'm like, this is just rubbish. And that was like a big company though. And when I said I want to leave that to go into sales, I got, bollocked right because i left that without having a job and i left that and oh my god the abuse i got like you didn't go to university you left that big company what are you gonna do and then i said i'm going to sales and i don't know why it's like in the states but if you say you want to go into sales in the uk and especially in my culture right it's like you just uh you're a fake in life <laughs> oh no trust me i know and say i mean sales is getting a better stigma but you know the thing is a lot of people don't realize like the top paying jobs are usually in sales. Yeah. You know, because it's like you can build the best product, mm-hmm. but people are not just going to come. You got to have someone who knows how to sell the product and especially some of the products that are 10, 20, 30, 40, 50K, you know, a year. And then plus these 500K to, you know, 1 million plus dollar contracts, right? They're not easy to close. They have long sales. You know, I'm currently going through a sales process. It's like seven to nine months of contract and, yes. you know, doing the right things. And look, that's sales, right? But once you close it, right? It, Funds everybody in the company, right? Really? So sales keeps the operations going. So you left the job, you went to a sales job. How was that sales job? Then what were you selling? That was that was like a boiler room. If you see the film Boiler Room, it's kind of like that kind of environment. So I was working for a 
a luxury travel magazine, but they were a startup, right? So they had like one copy of the magazine before. We <laughs> we didn't have the amount of subscribers we said we did. And it was just like me, the two founders, who were two guys, pretty young. They'd worked at a magazine come before. They went up, set up their own shop. One of the guy, we had like a part-time editor because we couldn't afford to bring him on full-time. And we had a part-time designer who couldn't afford to come into a real startup environment. And he was literally like just going and yeah, I had to find my leads and sell to hotel owners, concierge companies. And he was like, here's your script. Go and you have three days to make it work. And if, you, if it doesn't work out, then you're out the door. Like those people came and went. But it was, it was, it was so difficult for the first couple of days. But once I got it, it was like, whoa, I was a top seller. I was picking the phone. I was calling. It was like, it was like a dream job while it lasted. But it was for the, I, I was going to get sacked on the third day because I didn't get any sales in. And then that was my, they were going to sack me basically. But luckily, like some fluky deal came in and then it went boom. And I suddenly like, clicked and I was a top seller and it was, it was a dream. But it was like, you had to say what you had to say to get the deal. You just had to make the person like you on the phone. So you about life, kids, everything. But it was good, man. Nice, nice. So you said it was good while it lasted. Why didn't that last? I think it just hit, well, one, it kind of hit a ceiling in terms of the money, the progression. You're, you're selling a certain value of items. And I think before when I was younger, I used to, not a hothead, but yeah, I used to get maybe angry at little things. And I used to, like, I'd walk out on jobs like, like that, basically. And I had an argument with the guy about certain things. I think they gave me a brand new company car. A magazine company? Yeah, maybe. Like I was 20, I was eight days before I turned 21, right? I just moved out. I got my, got my own apartment when I was 20 years old and they gave me a brand new BMW 3 Series 320, oh, right? Oh, man. It was fresh. It had six miles on the clock when it came off the truck. And I was a man, right? Like you're, you're 20, you're 20, 21. You're driving a brand new car. You've got your own car. I was the man, yeah? But we used to always have arguments, me and the, the owners. Not in a bad way, but it kind of was my fault. Like I'd just get annoyed and I'd say something I shouldn't have said. But because I was a top seller, I'd get away with it. And then the other guy would be like, no, Rick, come on, it's all right. Just come back and feel I always got away with, with things. But I think one time I went away on holiday with one of the other guys, one of the workers that we both went away to Morocco. And I, I can't remember what happened. Something happened that was bad. And um, they sat him. And they, and at the time, my brothers, because I was in Morocco, I gave my car to my brothers to drive, right? And so they, they were just went to my apartment. They saw the car wasn't there because they were going to take it off. They were going to take the car off me to show like their authority. And then they saw my randomly, they saw my brothers driving it. So they said, "Oh, we've got to take the car back." And I came back, and I, and then I heard they took the car back, and I was like, "Ah, oh, f you, blah 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 blah." And that's why, um, that's why because they took the car and then they said, "No, look, come back. We'll give you the car." But I was like. I got so annoyed. I was like, no, man, you've like, done this. You embarrassed me. So I'm going. I never even, I had rent to pay. I had, I had rent to pay, but I had no job. And I just walked out because I, I just used to do things like that. Which is a bit yeah. Sick. So what, what happened next? So I realized, damn, I've got rent to pay in two weeks. And but I wasn't earning amazing money. Like it was good money for my age. But Would you mind sharing how much you were earning? So it was, it was like, I was making like 25,000 pound a year with, and then I had the company car on top. So the package for the car was around the car cost about 30 grand and the insurance. Was about, so it was like a 30 grand package, but that was good money for a 21 year old, right? You no, know, it is. 
but because I was, I moved out and I was paying a grown adult's rent. Like I, my yeah. rent was 600 pounds. My bills were another 200 pounds. And it was, it was, it was very, very expensive. So I realized, damn, I had no savings because when you move at a young age, you don't get a chance to build up that financial stability. So I was like, damn, I need to do something. And I heard about recruitment. I heard recruitment. I mean, a lot of my decisions earlier were just made around money. Like I knew I had a work ethic. I knew I had a, a skill set. And I, I knew those two combined were good for sales and stuff. So I heard recruitment was, was good money. So then I just, I hammered down and I, I applied just to recruitment jobs. And I made it very, very specific. I, and then I ended up with multiple offers. And I chose S3. They're like a, a big corporate. So I, that's where I kind of entered recruitment. I, was, I think I was the youngest person in there. I think I was one of the only Asian people there that, in, in that recruitment company as well. right? And I, I was the only non-degree educated person for most of these recruitment companies. They all, a lot of them rejected me because I had a degree. And even the ones that did take me forward and make me offers at the start, they questioned me like crazy, like, why have you got a degree? You've got good grades, you're smart. And a lot of them just didn't accept my explanation. But the ones that did gave me offers, but it's very specific in the direction I wanted to go into. Okay. So the offer you took, how'd that go? It was good. It's in, in that same office, I had three different managers offered me one and I, and I, I went for one. But recruitment, yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was a graft. Like I used to work. Like that was my thing, right? Like I'm, I don't think I'm the most talented, but I will outwork anyone. And that's how I got, how I got results. I was working eight in the morning till eight at night, pretty much every day. Everyone knew that was my thing. Financially it was tough at the start. Like the basic was, I think 18,000 pounds a year. And then you're not getting a lot of commission and I had rent to pay. And like I send money to Bangladesh as well. So my act was ridiculous. I've got rent, I've got bills, I've got money sent to Bangladesh back home. I didn't want to go to my family's house and just constantly eat. So there were times that I'd be hungry. Like I was for a period when I was in commission, I was having like, cause I still feel like it's dope. Like I still bought protein shakes. So I still go to the gym. Right. But I'd be having like fish fingers, like I used to do fish finger and bread, white bread, no fish finger and white bread sandwiches, white bread is cheaper than brown bread. So fish finger and sandwiches with chili sauce. And that's, I was having like three, four times a day cause I needed to eat. I used to migrate the fish fingers in the microwave at work get my chili sauce, put it on, come home. And I used to be hungry sometimes still, partly because of ego, but part, I never had money. And then you can't go to your parents. I say, give me some food, man. Bro, so I was like, right. So it was hard at first when I remember it was, yeah, for about a year financially, it was, it was very, very difficult for me. Yeah. You know what? I'm from Bangladesh too. Are you? Yeah, yeah. I came oh. here when I was three years old. Oh, shit. I was born there. So I came yeah, there. You were born there as well, right? Three yeah, years old. Yeah, I was there. born there. Yeah. Are you from Dhaka or Silet? I was, I'm from, I was born in Taka. Okay, okay, okay. So I'm from a little village. I still go back. My my, yeah, yeah. my, my family story is kind of long, but I've got family there. So I visit yeah, yeah. two, three years. I'm, I'm trying to go in December, actually. But I want to go back. Time. I want to go back. If I can go back December, I, I'll, I'll make a trip. Yeah, yeah, hit me up. We'll go, we'll go together. End of December. Yeah. I'm yeah, going to yeah. we'll arrange something. No, all right, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so you got the job and, you know, it's kind of tough. So how how do you keep continuing? I think it was just... It's perseverance, right? Like I had, a, I had a point to prove. Like I could have just failed, right? Like I made the decision not to go to university, and I was, and I'd given everyone stick for trying to give me stick. I've said, no, this is me. Like I'm, I've got ability, right? I can do this. I, I, I can make it whichever way I want to do. So I think because you know I'd, I'd made that stance, I had that chip on my shoulder. Like failure wasn't really an option. That's why, I, that's why I work so hard, right? So 
because I knew that I couldn't do anything else, but I also had responsibilities that maybe other people don't have. Like I, when you, when you, I think when you, when you have those things combined, you have that point to prove, but you also have responsibilities that aren't just for yourself. Like me growing up, it wasn't about me getting a flash car or me wearing the nicest clothes or me having money for myself. It was more so money to, for me to live and the bare necessities, but money to provide for other people. And those, I think those are the two kind of things, maybe that more than anything that got me through and, and made me keep going and still keeps me going. Now, I think when you have response, when you, when you're responsible for, for other people, not for yourself, that gives you a much greater drive and makes you grow up much quicker than everyone else. And that's what, because growing up, everyone else was worried about their clothes and they're this and they're that, but they were that was there, but they didn't have the work. I think they didn't want to put the work in. They didn't want to do the graph. They didn't want to do what other people want to do. They didn't want to work as hard as I was working. So, and I put that down to the fact that I had more than I was, I had more than just me to look after. I had other people to look after. And that even to this day probably is the main thing that kind of keeps me, keeps me going. And I think that's a, a big differentiator with me growing up and my peers, if you like. Were you able to increase your salary? Yeah, so over time I started making more and more commission and the salaries went up. So I think by the end, like my final year, I was on I was on good money. I was I was making between like thirty and forty K for the the last couple of years. So that massively helped. And I was able to to live a bit more comfortably. I still never had no savings, right? I was hand to mouth, like I spent whatever I made. But that when you build yourself up in a crew, I was there for like three and a half years and I went to another recruit company, got a higher, higher base salary and, and had some good commission. So the things did massively improve for me. Never it's not saying, but my income did increase exponentially over the next kind of three to four years. Okay. So what happened after the next three to four years? So that's when I found out about tech. So I went to like a, a small recruitment company. It was run by like a, a husband and wife, something I would recommend for anyone. That was crazy, right? So they made me build a new desk and I do my research. I find SAS. But them two were like having arguments. Oh, in, man. That sucks. In, in the business. And then like she asked me, what do, I, what do you think? I, 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 I should buy the business. And I, I said, like, I'd get rid of everyone. And then she went and did. I, I didn't know she actually do that. She went and got rid of everyone. And then that's when we bought Sunil on board as well. And then they had the change of ownership. But then I had a bust up with... The owner, I, it's a common theme, right? I was thinking yeah. a bus, so I had, had, a, had a bus stop at this time because I had rent to pay, but I had like my uncle at my house as well. So I, I couldn't afford to just walk out like I, I would have, like I was this close. Like we had a, we had a big argument and I was like, I was, and even my coworkers, I can't believe you, you actually stay quiet. You know, well, I was this close just saying, but then I knew like, shit, I need to pay my rent the next month. And I literally have no money. And there's other people in the house that I got to look after so then I was like, okay. So I, I kept quite, I said, all right, safe. So I made my decision there and then um, to, to move into tech. So that's when, because obviously I knew the tech space now that I had exposure, I was recruited for it. So that's how I found out about it. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to move into tech. And then I was applying, applying for roles, applying for roles. We get rejected left, right, center. I think so. I mentioned it as well. Like HR and other agencies were just, they just were just saying no. They weren't even, they weren't even accepting my, um, you know, they responded to have a first day. I wasn't even getting first stage interviews. I was just getting rejected left, right, and center. And I was like, okay, what I'm going to do, I've got to sell myself in, right? So then that's when I started picking up the phone. I was going on LinkedIn and I started contacting the hiring managers, direct bypassing recruiters, bypassing HR. And that's how I started to get multiple. I was picking up the phone and saying, look, you need to see me. X rejected me. You need to see me because of this. My email said that. My phone call said that. So 
that's when I saw the biases as well with tech space. And I think I, this is a thing, this is a, a problem. And I, I look back and I, and I have a massive regret about this because when I was recruited for these companies, it was obvious that they had their biases. Like some companies were blatantly taking people through that were just white or had white names, right? Yeah, yeah. Everyone. I see that all the time. And and that's my fault. I feel bad now. But when you're in a recruiter, your mind is is just about the fee, right? And it was, it was blatantly obvious. And I didn't say anything, right? And and I feel I feel kind of responsible for that. And they, it was obvious people were were not taking people on without degrees, right? I even had this was this was I always remember this. Right, I had one company who said they we want what MBAs for an entry level sales role. Remember this? They want MBAs because their founders got an MBA, and he thinks only he thinks that MBAs are correlation of smart. So they used to make these MBA people take tests for their intelligence, right? And they all failed the test. And I was like, and he was frustrated. I said, look, let me take the test. I was trying to commit. I said, let me, and I took the test. And I, I, I beat all of their MBA candidates, right? And I'll always remember that. And I said, look, if your MBA candidates aren't doing it, I just passed it. Sure, that's an indication, but they were that stubborn. They're like, no, 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 it's just an anomaly. And it, it, was, it was obviously a lot of devices in the process. And that's when I first saw it. And then I experienced it when I was trying to hire as well, like, you know, working class background, no degree. My name, even when you're sending emails, that my, my name probably had an impact. Omar Sadiq, right? So it's Arab name. So that's when we saw the issues. But then when I picked up the phone, I started selling myself in. Ironically, the company I got a job with, they're a company that their tech is based on hiring, based on skill, not on a piece of paper. The, the, the CEO of that company, Hackerang, he's, a, he's an Indian dude. He's from India. He's got his Indian accent. The CEOs. So ironically, that's the company that I got into where they didn't care. I didn't have a degree. They didn't care that. Obviously, the workers aren't going to care if I'm not, if I'm browning that degree because the COC do not. So ironically, that's where I ended up. And that's where everything just changed massively for, for me. Nice. How did things change massively at that company? One, the money was good. And I moved up to London for it, but the money went from like my basic salary from like 28 to 40K. I was I make 40 with the bonuses, but my basic now was what it was before. And we had commission on top of that. Oh, man. I was like, and I was working less. This is the worst thing. I was, I was still grafting. But it was nowhere near the graft I was doing in recruitment. And I was like, what the hell? And the people were so nice. And I was working in central London. And like the like I'd come from working in a barn, literally the barn in the last company, right? In in Coventry. And then Birmingham was Birmingham. It's not like I love Birmingham, but it's not like and then I ended up in central London. Like I used to think I'm walking around, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. And I remember I used to have to wear suits. So I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. I'm walking around central London. There's all these, it's all these big new buildings and everyone, I, I stuck at like a sore thumb. I felt the difference massively, right? There weren't people like me in, in the way that I speak. And obviously I have to, there's this thing called cold switching where you, yeah, yeah. Right, you, that, that was very prelevant there. But for me, it was like, wow, I'm, I'm making good money. I'm around all these super smart people. I was always the only one without a degree, but I was already used to that. But yeah, it was game changing money wise, culture wise. I was working less. I was just enjoying just everything more. And it was just, yeah, the tech space just made me learn so much. And it's just so much better than recruitment. It just, everything changed for the better. I can't. No, I mean, I've, I know that there's a lot of biases in recruiting and, you know, internal recruiters. And it's funny, like, I'll make some post bashing recruiters and there's always like one recruiter who's like gets so worked up and i was like look if you're a good recruiter this is not aimed at you yeah. you know it's and they're always like they'll always but it's like okay you know you're kind of driving up my engagement so you know look looking back 
what were the biggest mistakes you made that you kind of look at and that you kind of wouldn't do again? Okay, so when I was, I would maybe when I was seventeen, I handled things a little bit incorrectly, and I probably did take my eye off the ball. But I don't know if I would. Is it, I wouldn't do anything differently because I'm a big believer in everything that I've done has led me up to this point. So all the mistakes that I've made have have led me here. So I wouldn't change any of it. But in some of the mistakes I've, I've made, I think personally, just in relationships with certain things that have happened in the life with my parents, I, I wish I hadn't done and, and said certain things. I think you don't appreciate, you know, now looking back at it, there's some massive mistakes I've made on, on the family side of things. I'm just, obviously, I'm quite lucky and no one holds any of those things against me. But there's certain things, you, you can't take certain things back that you say. Those are my biggest regrets. Professionally, I have, I have no regrets professionally because I used to. I used to think, you know, me, me if I went to university, I would have been accepted in society. I would have been accepted by everyone. I wouldn't be looked down upon, all that stuff. But, like, honestly, I'm, I'm glad I went. I didn't go down the easy route that I could have gone down. I'm, I'm glad I chose the route that I went. I'm glad I made every mistake, every failed business. I failed at, like, four or five businesses. Oh, what businesses did you fail at? <laughs> so I... I seen it luxury advertising sales business, right? And then I went up and I tried to set, basically I tried to do my own to their company and I tried to set one up as well. I always set up with my brothers. I think the big mistake is that my brothers, they, they're great, but they're not salespeople. And that was their sales origin business. It was very difficult for me to carry three separate salaries, right? But it was, it was a very good learning. Like I left my last job to, I, I'm all, I've always that guy where I'll, I'll leave whatever I've got to, to risk a business, right? So, I tried that. It, it didn't really work. Ironically, when I decided to close it down, that's when all the money started coming in. I was like, man, I really should get you. <laughs> I was like, man, I think I've also tried, I also tried being a personal trainer as well and doing the whole online piece, but I hate Instagram. Like, I didn't like it. Like, you know, you have to post just topless picture. I got an experiment. Like, I did an experiment. Of, I don't know if I put a picture because I did a competition, right? So I did a picture of like my abs and then like a picture of a t-shirt on or on my back and the engagement it's not even comparable, right? You know what gets it. And I, I just didn't like, I just don't like the whole Instagram kind of space. And I don't like training people. Like I love training myself and I, I go to gym seven, seven days a week. Like I love it. But I tried that business. Like I wasn't working, right? So I, I tried to commit to that and that spectacularly failed. I tried a, a vegan, I went vegan for a couple of months and I tried a vegan food delivery business. That didn't work out. I was in with the wrong business partner. I mean, I think it's a great concept. I think it would, would still work. I was in with the, maybe the wrong people who don't think in a similar business way to myself. I didn't have it. I, there's a period of my life. Where I just didn't have any money because I was going through certain things in the front. Of so I, I just had no money to, to pop that. I've also tried to support accommodation business as well, but that business partner maybe wasn't the best fit for me either. So like, I've, I've failed at so many different businesses and so many different things. But again, like I wouldn't change, I, I wouldn't change anything apart from the personal stuff. What set you apart? Like now looking back, like here, obviously it's your tenacity, but what else would you say set you apart? I don't, honestly, I don't think I've got more ability than anyone else. I don't think I'm massively talented, but I, I, I do think it's the, it's the mindset. Like I look at myself compared to other people, right? Like not other people, but like my friends and the people around me, why I'm doing what I'm doing. I think the biggest thing that stands out is I'm, I'm always willing to do things that other people won't do. I'm willing to get up in the morning and, and, and work day and night. I'm willing to go to the gym when I'm tired and, and things like that make a massive difference. But I think it's the, it's the risk-taking thing that I've got. 
Like everyone's just scared. Everyone's scared to take a risk, right? Everyone's scared to step out of their comfort zone. Everyone's scared to leave their job to go for something else. Everyone, everyone complains about their lives and their things, but they don't do nothing about it. Like they don't go and learn something else. They don't leave that job to, to move into something else. Like I'm trying to tell my friend, like he's not even employed or he's working a delivery job and he's done some sales before. I'm telling him to apply to London and, to, and all he keeps saying, oh, you know, it's a risk if I move up to London or what if I get fired and I've gone up to London and this, that, this, that. And, I, and it's just frustrating. Like I think people just, they're, they're just too safe. No one wants to step out of their comforts. Everyone, everyone says they've got responsibilities, right? But you living at home, like what, like, like what responsibilities do you have? You live at home, you have no dependents, you've got direct debits, like <laughs> responsibilities. That's just frustrating. That's, I think that's the, that's the single biggest difference that I see with myself and everyone else. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I see that a lot. It's like, one of the, I tell a lot of people, look, if you can live at home early on in your career, use that to save a lot of money, use that to build a cushion because there are very few points in your life where you don't have the dependence where you soon have minimal obligation and you can, you know, get years ahead. Cause once you, you know, get married, move out, have kids, it's just different, right? You have that timeline where, you know, you can't walk yeah, away yeah. because it's like, Oh, my uncle's, you know, my uncle's <laughs> yeah, depending yeah. on me or my cousin's depending on me or my father or my mother, or my, my kid, my child is depending on me. Now, how has the industry changed over time? Have you seen a lot of change within the recruiting and sales industry? No, I've seen, um, no, uh, there's, I haven't seen any change. Personally, I, I see the same same mistakes. I do see, like I see, not maybe not in tech, but you know the the, the traditional big four, your PwC, UK. I've I've seen maybe they have changed their early stage recruiting process. Before it was only have a degree. I think is it two of the big four. I can't remember which have taken the degree required. White. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know someone that used to work at the diversity there. Yeah. So EY one, they've taken off the degree piece. I don't know internally. I don't like. Because yeah, there's a difference. You could say publicly. Yeah. You know, publicly we accept everybody, but then yeah. internally it's like, who do you hire? Do you even give a shot? Do you even interview this guy? Yeah. You know? So I don't know whether they they mean what they say, but they've done it publicly, which is still a step. But I think in the tech space, it. Each hasn't changed. It's exactly the same. I still see degree requirements. Like if the the profile that people look for is exactly the same. But I I think the one I've been saying the same thing for three or four years now. Whenever I come into tech, and it seems as if no one really agreed with me. I think even even Sunil at first didn't really see as a problem. But I think the one thing that's changed today since we've started is I've been absolutely flabbergasted at the amount of people that actually agree. Now, with what I'm saying, people are recognizing it's not. I was a bit scared to sometimes say because I thought, uh, they're just you know, it's just a, a brown guy complaining. But it's refreshing to see that people genuinely agree with what I'm saying. It's just something that hasn't been talked about before. No one's had the, the, the balls to stand up and say until we've, we've done it. But people are like, let's be, let's be real, the high up, really senior white people are agreeing with what I'm saying. And they, they see it as a problem. They know it is. So that's refreshing. But no one's... And everyone's talking... People talk about it. But no one's doing anything. We are the first people that are doing something about it. But people are willing to actually say, okay, yes, what you're doing. Yeah, you know what? That's the first step. Because I remember I found NoDegree.com in 2014. And especially now, last like year or two, now it's like, oh, companies are more open. Companies are more open. And you know, look, it's not easy, but it's easier than before. Now it's like, 
there's an actual policy, right? They at least have a shot, right? Now you at least can sometimes get the interview, right? Whereas before they slammed the door in your face. So that's good to see. No, but I'm also asking, do you see any change within sales specifically? Like, for example, there are a lot more software associated with sales. Like I, So have you seen changes in the sales industry and how should people adapt to those changes, especially people who are aspiring for a career in sales? Yeah, what, what I've seen in the, in the sales industry of the past few years is methodologies and processes have become a lot more cleaner and there's a lot more resources to look at for people trying to get into the sales space, right? So when I used to, when I think when I started, there was nowhere near the amount of um, sales content and influencers or places to learn about sale. Like I think in, I'm sort of about the tech space because tech space is probably the most advanced, I think, in terms of sales processes. There wasn't any of that there when I started like three years ago, where there was some bits and, and, and bobs. Now there's so much content out there for people, right? Like yeah, there is. Oh man, like I remember if I had podcasts, like if podcasts were as big in college, I, you know, I, like now it's like, dude, any topic I want to learn, I go when I'm driving or I'm at the gym, Yeah, you know, podcast, I go run. It's like, cool. Now I can work out and learn something. It's like, boom, I'm getting like three hours work done in like an hour and a half. Yeah, 100%. And that wasn't there before, right? And I think it's, there's still space for that to grow because I think in, in, in recruitment, there is no real thought leader in that space. I think in sales, in terms of other industries, they're just way far behind. So I, I do foresee, I see a gap for people to try and get into there and I foresee that will start to grow. But I think if you're trying to get into sales, especially in, in the software sales space, there, there's now so much resources and so many, so many people you can follow on LinkedIn for you to really gain much better knowledge of it. If you want to, it's just that people don't know about it, right? But it, it, it is there now. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I learned so much about sales through LinkedIn. Like people would, one post, they'd give like one tip and I'm like, oh, that's a good tip. And, you know, another post, another tip. And it's like, oh, that's a good tip. And then you incorporate, you take bits and pieces, you make mistakes, you learn. So what are some things, if someone's interested in sales, what are some things that they should definitely do? They should definitely reach out to Tradio. Now, um, in, <laughs> in, all, in all seriousness, I think, some, I think that you should have a process, right? So if I was, what, what I tell people now, what I say is, is first of all, you make your LinkedIn profile, right? There's this content galore around that. So make your LinkedIn profile, right? Start following the relevant people in the space just to get an understanding around sales and tips and, and, and tricks. And that should give you some basic information. Get your profile ready for, for the job hunting. And the first thing you do, in my opinion, is you make it public that you want a role. You put a post out there, right? You put a post, but not just you want a job. You put a post about your why, like you make it emotional and real and people will resonate with that. And you will get, and eat. okay, forget about the, the direct approaches and the research and all that stuff. If you just do that, you're guaranteed to get people reaching out to you. And especially if your why is powerful, it's just like, a, a, it's just, way better than just pressing the apply button, right? Because people want to help. This is a crazy innate nature of people. They want to actually. So that's what I'd say is a, like a basic step process. And then, you know, there's a direct approach and then the other learnings. But I say just very, very simply, if you do that, I think you're going to get some kind of response and some people trying to help you out. That's no, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's a, that's a very good point. So that's something I really encourage just because it's like following the right people. It's like they drop bits and nuggets here and there. It's not like one post is going to change everything, but bits and nuggets here and there, 
you get some more and then you understand a lot more and you're way ahead of your competition. And then when you actually go to interview, they're like, wow, you know this stuff. You, you, and the beauty is it's like you learn from someone who's done it. So it's like you, you don't have the experience, but you have the knowledge and now you have something that you can actually apply. Now, what are some, like, what would you say, looking back, what are you most proud of? If we professionally think I'm, I'm most proud of is what I'm doing right now, right? And, and, it's, and it's the mission of why we're doing what we're doing. Like what, what's driving me now is, this is going to sound crazy, but I genuinely believe we're changing the world. We are, it's, Stay with me. Sounds crazy, right? No, it, it, look, I feel the same way. So it's not crazy to me. Yeah. I completely understand it. So we are at the forefront of a shift in the class system in the UK and globally, right? And we are also at the forefront of a trans uh, of transforming the education landscape as we know it. It's already happening, and it's ironic that you've got two working class brown guys with no degrees driving that change. And the mission that I'm doing in terms of I want everyone in the UK to know about tech and to have the same and equal opportunities is massive. And that's something I'm a massive like I don't the money is gonna is gonna come, right? The money is the is, is the money. But the the reason why we're doing what we're doing and the things we're doing is insane. Like I, I'm seeing it firsthand. I saw what it did for me and I'm I'm because I'm personally involved in recruitment of the candidates and the cohort. I've seen their, their growth. Like I, I know all their stories. I know the difficulties they're facing, the challenges. Some of them have difficult backgrounds. And where they started and where they are now, it's like, I'm, I'm seeing it. And I'm like, whoa, it's real. And I know like some of them are going to go from earning £16,000 a year to making £30,000, £40,000 a year. And, and that is massive because it's Trust not- me, just, I know. I used to like, you know, I used to make uh, my first job when I was like 14, I made $7.15 an hour, right? And I, I, you know, I was in high school, so I was like, wow, you know, making 50 bucks a day, whatever. And then I remember, you know, you get your next job. Like I was tutoring at like 15 to $25 an hour cash. So, you know, whatever, you get like one, two. And I remember I used to work and, you know, and now at that rate, look, would I, if I had to, I'd go work at that rate you know sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do but you know thankfully i'm not in a position where i have to you know i'm in a much better position but you know you it it makes a massive difference it's the difference between like you know starving and you know just worrying about next thing versus like hey i can actually support people i can lift others up i can support my family i can have a future you can't understate it because you i think you people don't realize the situation at the moment how unfair things are and and it frustrates it frustrates me sometimes when I feel like I can't we can't have everyone because we've got certain requirements in the program and it's frustrating that I can't change everything overnight. And there's certain things I'll um make it might take me longer or might have to do certain things. But I think just the fact that I'm able to do something that I care about and that I feel is right is just I think that's what keeps yeah, me. That's what drives us. That's, that's what drives us because look, at the end of the day, yes, making money is good, but Look, there are a lot of things you can do to make money, right? You, If you could probably sell luxury cars, then you'd probably outsell everybody, right? But at the end of the day, it's like you want to think about like the impact you leave to the world, how you change other people's lives. And, you know, so it, it's not crazy at all. I know other people think it's crazy, but, you know, you have to be a little crazy to, be, <laughs> you know, sort of do what we do and be an entrepreneur. Now, so that was professionally. What about personally? What What is your biggest accomplishment? It's being able to provide for my family in Bangladesh and still kind of uh, uh, being the ma- uh, being the person that will that 
has been able to sacrifice myself financially, right? And I don't think many people will, will ever do that in order to look after my family in a complete different country and being able to do that simultaneously whilst growing up, look after myself as well. Because a lot of people, I think, not in a bad way, but a lot of people tell me I shouldn't. Everyone thinks you focus on yourself, right? I think it's easy to fall into that trap. But I think for, for me, I'm super grateful and happy that I've been able to, to keep the mindset of doing both and even struggling to make sure that the others are, are okay. And we built them a house and they're able to eat. You know, you know what it's like in, in you know, the country. Man. There, is, there is no economy. You can't expect people to go get a job and, and fend for the crowd. It doesn't work like that. People don't, I think some of my people don't, don't get that. So for, for me, I might not have the fanciest car. I mean, I've got, you're all right in Colombia, but I might not have the fanciest car or the nice clothes or I ain't got the Rolex in it. Like, like, like everyone else is all focused on these things or I haven't got, I haven't got a own property yet. Do you know what I mean? But, I'm just super pleased that I haven't got that stuff and I've been able to still help my family that need it and I've been able to live myself as well. Like, no, I, I mean, look, yeah, I mean, look, you have something worth way more because at the end of the day, when you look back at life, people are not like my Rolexes, my this and that. It's about the family and the people you've helped, right? You're not like, oh man, I should have bought another Rolex or I should have drove a, fa- a fancier car, right? At the end of the day, there are things more important in life and, you know, you're kind of taking that so what's the future goal? Yeah, as I said, look, I want everyone in the UK to know about the tech sector, to have fair renewable opportunities, right? And I want to expand that around the world. Like the things that we've got in place is going to democratize and transform. I, I can't say too much at the moment, but democratize and transform the education space as we know. It's, it's broken. It's made for people who learn a certain way or people who have money in certain countries. But the things that we're going to roll out it's going to change everything around the world. So if, no matter where you are in the world, you should have access to actionable education that will enable you to build a solid career. And it helps that the world's going to be now as well. Yeah, yeah. That has but really changed the game. That's going to change. That's going to change a lot. And there's, and it's becoming easier now with certain companies to employ people wherever they are without all the legal jurisdictions that you would have had to deal with in the past. So... That's where we're going and that's what I'm going to be doing. I might step away from certain businesses in certain ways, but for me, that's where, that, that's where my future lies, I feel. Look, I'm glad I know you before you get even bigger. So I'm <laughs> glad I caught you on the ground up. So what advice would you have for a high school student right now? Like they, they want to get into sales or recruitment. What advice would you have? What would you tell them to start doing right now? Get practical experience. Like f- f- forget about you know, you don't need a very education system if you're not good at that side of it, it's not fine. I would say get practical experience. It doesn't matter what kind of sales experience it is. It could be knocking doors. It, it, it could be, I don't know, selling some really small ticket items, but it's get that experience. Volunteer. If you have to, no one's give you a chance. Do the commission only jobs that everyone says don't do because you get brainwashed. Do, do these remedial sales goals. Do whatever you have to do to get that practical experience. And that will then, even if you get that at a young age and then you get into a proper sales career, like 2021, you'll be balling. Like you'll be able to come that height. You'll be, you'll be making six figures before your mid-20s, but you need to get that practical experience. You need to ignore. It's, it's bad, right? I don't mean it, I don't mean ignore, but if you, if you think sales is for you, you've, you've got to take that decision and do the jobs that people say don't do. Do the basic sales job. Do that for a year or two. Even if you're not making much money, you're living at home, take the hit. And by the time you're in your 
by the time you hit your twenties, you're you're gonna be set, man. You're gonna be massively set. Yeah, no, I mean, look, sales is one of those skills. Look, even if you get out of sales, you can sell yourself to a great job. You can sell yourself to anything, right? Sell yourself to opportunities, sell yourself to businesses, sell yourself. You just have so much always available to you. And the fact is, like, I've seen salespeople just do so well, right? They just, it's its not easy. its It takes time, like, you know, to pick up the phone, call someone you don't know and be able to have a warm conversation where they're like, hey, look, uh, let's let's take it further and all that. No, so thank you for that. I know in the beginning you said there was a time that you felt the the lack of college degree held you back. After that, did you ever feel like a lack of college degree like held you back from certain positions? Yeah, hundred percent. Of course, I couldn't even I wouldn't even get a look in certain positions if I didn't have a degree, even even some sales roles as well. So yeah, look, not having a degree stopped me from getting to loads of loads of positions. Even if I wanted to switch careers, everyone wanted to. Do, Everyone wants it. Everyone wanted to do, especially those days, it's probably worse than it is now. So it, it definitely it did me massively and it did make me think like there were, there were times, you know, professionally and personally, of everything you're getting where I was thinking, I've got the capability. I could go, go to university, get a first, and I'd, I'd walk in because I, I know I'm good at interviews, right? I'd walk into all these top jobs and I'd be accepted to society, right? I wouldn't be looked down upon. So there were a lot of times when I thought maybe I should go back, but maybe it's stubborn. I'm glad I did it. I'll be just too. But yeah, definitely help me back. You know, okay. No, good. I, I mean, I'm glad you're helping other people sort of make it easier because, you know, I see across, I see some sales position. It's like MBA. And it's like, what do you learn about selling in an MBA? I was like, never understand it. I don't get you know, it. it. It just doesn't make any sense. Or it's like, I see sales role must have degree. And it's like, the only thing I care about, can you sell my product in an ethical way? Right. Yeah. That's really it. Other than that, like, what are you going to learn in school? Like, you don't have to sell yourself in college. Yeah. You know, and it just doesn't make any sense. Now, what are some, what's something you want to delve into that we haven't discussed already? Maybe talk about was, was some of the issues that there are in tech around. Yeah, let's go. I uh, love to. Around the whole diversity piece, right? Because I think. It's just, it's just massive. I think everyone talks about it, as we said, and everyone, I think there's a bit of a false message at the moment when everyone talks about diversity because they say, look, we've got, we've got people from 80 different countries, man, and, and we've, we've got such a diverse workforce and we're open to everybody, but your diversity, you've got Brazilian, Spanish, French, it's amazing, but they're all still of a certain color. They're all from a certain class. They're all from a degree education background. And I think the big thing for me personally, like I, everyone has their, everyone has their bias, right? As in, not a bias, but you know, everyone has their focus that they're trying to support. Everyone has, they want to help black people into tech. Everyone has, they're helping women to take me, my personal thing and what, and this is not train you, train you is, is, is everyone, but me as an individual, I think the, the big thing that I'm trying to change is, is social mobility. And, and what I mean by that is people from, working class backgrounds because that's what I resonate more with, right? I resonate more with a, with a white working class kid than I would with an Asian upper class kid. hundred percent. I'm the same way. It's that, that, that's massive. And the, and I think it's the lack of opportunities they have, but it's the lack of work education they have grown up that massively hinders them. It's not about having a fair opportunity, a fair hiring process for everybody because someone from an upper class background who has professionals around them, they automatically know how to hold themselves. They automatically know what to say. But a kid from workplace background who's, you know, I was, I, I was very lucky. I had a 
good, I was not rich wise, but I had a good upbringing and I was raised by my brother. I had loads of people bring me stuff. You know, I was, I think I was very lucky. I read from a young age and I was like, actually, so I'm lucky, but people, other people, they didn't have that. They don't, they don't know how to hold themselves. They don't know how to talk. And by having a, a process that is fair or the same for everyone, it's not actually fair and equal are two separate things. So I, I think that issue has to be addressed in terms of how do we bridge that, that gap and why are we expecting more from people from backgrounds that don't have the, the same access to people that do have the same access by even saying these people should go on YouTube and research how to interview. They're already asking them to do more than this person. Right. Yeah, it's just unfair. And I think that's something that I'm just super passionate to try and change. No. And I'm trying to work on things. And I think people need to need to realize that because yeah. it's not easy to say everyone that is equal cream rice. Yeah. Cause no, hundred percent. Like because what I see a lot, you know, having that support system, like for example, like my nephew, right. I'm teaching him things. And again, it's like, I'm always around him and I'd always take him out and, you know, and it's like, I'm exposing him to things. So he knows like what an invoice is. He knows like what a deal is. He like sees, but you know, it's like not everybody has someone like that. And it's unfair if you kind of don't. And, you know, and I, I try to really get to him. Like, you know, it's not money. It's about like your character. It's about your work ethic and all that. And you got to build them because like, for example, I, I saw this thing. Um, there are two, there are parents like in Manhattan who pay tutors like $150 an hour, $200 an hour for like one hour of math, you know, and you know, one hour of reading. So now the thing is at that level and there are kids in my, in the high school I went to, their parents pay, they pay three to $6,000 for an essay. Like I was actually talking to someone to get into the top school. What they do is you have to pay this lady $55,000 deposit. That's it. No guarantee, no nothing. And she helps you get into the top schools. Now at that price, dude, you know, she's hundred percent writing your essays. Yeah. She's hundred percent. You know, at that point, they're just doing everything for you. It doesn't matter. Like even having someone edit your essays is like a, it, and that's, it changes. Allowed. That's, that's allowed. The schools but, know that. So the thing is, is how are you going to prove that the kid didn't write the essay? Right. And if the kid's smart, how are you going to prove, right? You're just going to see the paper. You're not going to be like, oh, do you have a tutor? And what are you going to say? Like, oh, and then the parents are going to be like, well, I'm going to do the best for my kid. Right. Like, it, it, you know, it's just like such an unfair system, because if look, I remember in some of my math classes, look, I did well. But if I had a tutor who knew the stuff, dude, I would have studied half as much. And then I would have gone to the gym and, you know, I would have been way far ahead. And these are things that a lot of people just have an inability to understand and comprehend that it's not fair because I remember like, while I'm, you know, even like the thing about looking for internships, I have to worry about putting money on the table right now, you know, pocket money right now, instead of like looking for the internships. And, you know, like I help kids with their resumes, even knowing like, like I do resumes for a living and like knowing the stuff I know, it's like, I got this guy a $64,000 raise, right. In a marketing position. And, you know, in sales, I get people like good raises, but it's like, I know this thing. I've learned it from other people. I spent a lot of time and then I see like, you know, I can tell like when someone's had help on their resume and it's just, and even the schools don't even do a good job. So it's look, I'm in the same mission as you. Like my goal is to do the same thing. That's why I want to have this access. I want to do these things because it's like, it is possible, but it does take work. And, you know, thank you for having a program like Trainio. So how would people go about supporting you and supporting Trainio? Spreading the message. Awareness is is the, the big thing, you know, on, on LinkedIn, on, on Instagram, we're going to start posting. And, and I think that's the, the big thing we're trying to drive. We, we're, we're getting customers reaching out to us like inbound, which is crazy. But I think what I really want to do is, is 
is promote the message and drive the awareness around training you so that more and more candidates apply. Because I think, you know, one of the, the issues that sometimes we have is people think it's too good to be true because so many courses and, and stuff out there, so many fake things out there. So sometimes I think candidates and, and, and young people think, oh man, it's, it is too good to be true. And we've had that feedback as well. Like it sounds like, it's, it sounds amazing. People are like, if I go to university, I can't even get that kind of money. But you're telling me if you put through a program, I can. But it's, it's true, right? So I just think spreading the message on, on all kinds of social media will just really help legitimize what we're doing in people's eyes and drive the awareness of what we're actually trying to do as well. So more people know about tech, more people will then apply to train you and, and more people can ultimately change their lives. So that's the, the big thing. I'm not asking for customers. I'm not asking for, for, for money or donations, nothing like that. I just, I, I just really love if people could kind of promote what we're trying to do in terms of the awareness and then so that candidates can, can know that it's, it's real and that they can genuinely change their lives as well. And you guys have a podcast too, right? You mind sharing that? Yeah. So we've recently acquired or bought a podcast. It's called Sales Life, rebranded by Trainio. So that is, is launching rel- very soon. We're booking the guests in right now. And that's going to be on LinkedIn. It's going to be on YouTube. We just launched the opening episode of that. So if you go onto YouTube, type in Sounds Like Podcast, Omar or Sunil, we should come up on, on YouTube, but we'll be putting content on terms of sales. So if you want to get into sales, that'll be a good content to follow because we've got sales leaders, SDRs, people giving their top tips as well, which is all about the content. So if you want to get to sales, follow that podcast because it's going to have some great content on there as well. I just want to thank you so much for your time. It's so amazing to talk to both founders of a company that don't have degrees, who've you know, turned it around, who've truly come from the bottom and who truly care about lifting others from the bottom. So thank you so much for your time, Omar. Really look forward to actually meeting you. We got to somehow yeah, plan that trip to Bangladesh. So we'll work something out. Uh, have a good day. Thank you so much for your time. No, I really appreciate having us on here and spreading the message and training. I've, re- I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's one of my first ones. I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for your time. I appreciate look, it. You're, you're an expert at this. So I know you're going to be doing many more. Thanks, man. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and will go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast, on Facebook at facebook.com slash no degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem, nodegree.com. Yeah, so you got no degree, no problem, no problem, any problem, we can solve them, LinkedIn Somnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing, wisdom is flowing, if you didn't know, now you know where I'm going, if you didn't know, now you know, let's sing that again everybody, no degree, no problem, any problem, we can solve them, Insomnia keeps us evolving We're growing in a knowing The wisdom is flowing If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going No degree, 
no problem Any problem, we can solve LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving We growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going, yeah